about you, but depression is the pits. Some of us struggle with it far more than others. I know I used to really struggle with it every single Monday morning. In fact, I called it the Monday morning blues. Well, I'd like to share with you a daily routine you can use to exit any depression you're struggling with. The routine is actually found in Psalms 130, and I tell you what, it works. So listen to see how you can go on a daily basis from the pit to the peak. If you have your Bibles, maybe you have your Bible on your phone like me, or maybe you actually have a hard copy, which is becoming pretty unusual these days. Just wait until the internet goes out and your phone doesn't work. We'll all wish we had our Bibles with us. Unfortunately, I won't be prepared because I use my my phone all the time. But anyways, we're going to look in Psalms 130. We ended last Sunday talking about Psalms of Ascent. Psalms 120 all the way through 134 are Psalms of Ascent. And these Psalms, I should have put the pictures up, but I didn't today. I did it last Sunday. Jerusalem was situated on a hill. And the, the people would come three times, the, the Hebrews would come three times a year to celebrate their, their, their festivals, one of them being the Passover. They would come to Jerusalem and they would have to walk uphill towards Jerusalem. And as they ascended up towards Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms. Psalms 120 or 121 or 125 even 130 like we're going to be talking about today and you got to kind of picture these people they were chanting these songs they were singing these songs as they went up towards their city the city of Jerusalem they were excited to be there and so I'm going to read Psalms 130 I'm not going to sing it for you aren't you glad aren't you glad that I'm not going to sing it to you I'm just going to read it to you it would be a disaster otherwise but here's a here's a song of ascent here out of the depths out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Have you ever been in the depths before? You got to picture this. You're down in the pits, the pit of despair. And you, you say, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry. All right? You're digging out of the pit. And then in verse 3, you say, If you, Lord, kept record of sins, Lord, who could stand? you say it wouldn't be me lord but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you listen you hear the hope rising a little bit now all right he says i wait for you lord there's a little bit more hope here my whole being waits and in your word i put my hope oh hey have you ever had a hopeless day and then the next day you had a hopeful day, they're night and day. They're not the same when you talk about hope. And the psalmist here says, I put my hope in you. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman wait for the morning. He says it twice there, interestingly enough. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Here's the guy now. He's climbed out of the pit and he's on the peak and he's yelling at people. Hey, it's good up here. Come on up with me. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself redeemed, will redeem Israel from all their sins. What I want to share with you today is the process 
you can take each and every day of getting out of the pit and getting up to the peak. I want to share with you seven steps that you can take every day of your life when you wake up in the pit, how to get up to the peak. You can make it in a day. It's not like Everest that takes days to, to escalate, or not to escalate, to ascend. You can do this every day. You can do it in a matter of minutes even if you'll follow these steps that I'll share with you out of Psalms 130, the process that we'll look at. So let's go back to verse 1, and let me read it to you. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. I cry to you. And here's step number one is you have got to call on God. How do you get out of your pit? You call on God. And anybody, young and old, needs to learn how to call out to God when you're in desperation. Don't suck it in. Don't dig deeper, as they tell you. A lot of people tell you, just dig deeper. There's nothing down there. <laughs> There's nothing down there you're going to find. You can... You can you know, tense up and do, at the end of the day, there's certain things you can't handle in life. There's certain things I can't handle in life, and we need God's help. And you're in the pit, and who's going to rescue you out of your, the pit? God is going to. It says, in the Bible, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you, when you're desperate, will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You will be saved. Even if, if you've tied yourself down there and you're in the midst of doing the wrong things right now, even you can call on the name of the Lord and he will save you. So don't ever use the excuse, God knows that I'm a bad person and I've done wrong things and therefore he's not going to hear me when I call out, that's baloney. He will, he will save anybody who calls on the name of the Lord. So don't let condemnation, don't let the, those false thoughts, those lies enter your mind. You can call on the name of the Lord. He will save you. So what is this pit? Well, the pit, have you, you've heard of the pit of despair, right? Have you ever been in the pit of despair? I think every single one of us, we've been there. We've done that. We know what it's like. Well, you might even be there right now. You might be in the pit of despair right now. But it's, it's when you're doubtful. It's when you're negative. And it's when you're constantly saying, what if this bad thing happens? What if that bad thing happens? What if God punishes me? What if I've done so much wrong that he doesn't love me anymore? What if, what if, what if? If you're living a life of what ifs, you're in the pit right now. You're in the pit. You need to realize that's not where God wants you to be. You weren't created to live in a hole the rest of your life. God has created you to be lifted up onto a higher plane onto the peak. And so the first step towards figuring out how to get out is to figure that you're there to begin with. You may have been there so long that you just take it for granted. This is my life. It doesn't have to be that way any longer. You can get out of your pit. This is something that I learned about doubt. So we said that the pit is doubt. It's negativity. This changed my life about three years ago. And I've never been the same ever since. And I want to share it with you. In James 1, verses 5 through 7, James is telling the church, he's saying, anybody can ask for wisdom. And I'll, in fact, I'll read it to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You can go to God, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're an atheist 
or you think you're an atheist, you can go to God, anybody in this whole wide world, from prison, maybe you've murdered somebody, maybe you've done horrible, horrible wrong, maybe you're a sex offender, you can go to God and you can ask for wisdom and he will give it. It will come from heaven to you. But it goes on, this verse goes on, it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You can't be stuck in the pit when you're asking like this, all right? You can't doubt because if anybody who doubts is like the wave of the sea, they're blown and tossed back and forth by the wind. That person, listen to this, should not expect to receive anything from God. Now listen to me carefully. There's two things going on here. One is God giving the other thing is you receiving, all right? It says here that if you ask, God will give. But if you doubt, you can't receive. I used to read this verse saying, if I doubt, God won't give it to me. That's not what this verse says. The verse says, you can ask and God will give. But if you doubt, it's like a trash can. You'll have a lid on you and you won't be able to receive what God's given you. Your doubt, listen to me carefully, your doubt does not keep God from giving things to you did you get that your doubt will not let God keep will not keep God from giving things it'll keep you from receiving what God has given you amen that's encouraging to me because I used to think I doubt all the time that means God's never going to give anything to me and that is not what the Bible says that is not what the Bible says. And that's your first step out of the pit is realizing my doubt does not keep God from being good to me. My doubt does not keep God from being good to me. So step one, call out to God from your pit. Just call out to him and say, God, I need help. Let's move on. In verse two of Psalms 130, the Lord heard my, ver no, excuse me, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And here's step number two is believe that your voice matters to God. Believe that your voice matters to God. Now we live in a democracy where theoretically our voice matters to this government. By our vote, we cast our vote. There's countries in this world where no, you, you and me, we wouldn't get to vote. But here our voice is heard in this country. All right. Now, you can we can get into all the kind of politics, but we shouldn't get into politics in the church. Do you realize that we should stick with what the Bible says and obviously vote for the least worst candidate that's out there? <laughs> vote for the least worst one, whoever that is. All right. But to God, your voice counts. Your voice counts. It matters to God. And as you're climbing out of that pit and you're saying, God, hear my voice. He hears you. He hears you. And he wants to hear you. He wants to hear from you. You know, did you know that just thinking isn't necessarily praying? Just because you sit there 30 minutes thinking about God does not mean that you've talked to God. You need to talk to God. You need to spend time expressing your feelings to the Lord, telling him what you're going through. Talk to God. He wants to hear your voice. He created Adam to have a relationship with Adam and he created you and me for the same reason. You have a voice that matters to God and God is listening to you. <laughs> uh, he really listens to people who are crying out for mercy though. If you are in desperate situation, you can be for sure positive that God's listening to you. You know why? God listens to the underdog. 
He always, he loves underdogs. He loves people who are disadvantaged. He loves people who haven't gotten breaks in life. He loves the person who does who can't make it on their own. That's who God especially listens to. And so I like to be an underdog. I like to be uh, thought of as less because my God is looking at me. When other people discount me, God is saying, hey, I've got you covered. He loves the underdog. Look at this. In the Old Testament, he always seemed to go for the last born, not the firstborn. Look at King David. There was Samuel. All of Jesse's sons, except for one, was brought, were brought in front of him. And Samuel looked at the tallest, oldest one and said, surely this is the one that God has picked. And God said, stop looking at the outside and start looking at the heart. He said, I've rejected that guy. And so he went down to the next one. No, that wasn't him. The next one, next one. He said, well, God's telling me none of these boys are the ones that are to be anointed as king. Do you have any other ones? And, and, and Jesse said, well, yeah, I've got my youngest. He's the shepherd out in the fields. He said, bring him in. We're not going to do anything until you brought, in, brought in him, him in. And so they brought him in. And sure enough, God had chosen the runt of the litter. <laughs> The youngest one, the smallest one, the littlest one. I love it hearing about NBA players who said, you know, in my freshman year, my junior year, I wasn't even on the varsity team. All right. God seems to pick people who started off little and then turned into something big. So if you're down on yourself, you are the perfect choice for God. God's man. God's got his crosshairs on you. He's chosen you. God picks the, the last born. God picked women and widows. Now you might say, Steve, what are you talking about? You're, you're arbitrarily saying women are, are second. No, I'm saying in old Middle Eastern times and even in current Middle Eastern times, women are, <laughs> they're, not, they're not treated appropriately. Let's say that. And yet in those times, that's who God picked. He picked Ruth a foreigner, a widow, to be in the lineage of Christ. Absolutely amazing how God works. Uh, God picked the Sidonian widow to help Elijah, who didn't have any food, multiplying her oil and, and the, uh, the flour that she had so it didn't run out. God picks the underdog. Aren't you glad for that? So if you're last in line, God's saying you're first in line. Isn't that wonderful? So believe that your voice matters and you're already climbing out of the pit. Do you feel hopeful? Even with what I'm telling you, you feel like you're climbing out of that pit. You're getting ready for, for new heights with the Lord. Well, God picked Israel in Deuteronomy 11, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy 7, uh, 7 uh, and 8, verses 7 and 8. God says, I picked Israel because you were the fewest people, not because you were the largest, strongest, most fruitful nation no I picked you you were the smallest that's how God works and so God especially your voice matters especially in, in helpless times when you're crying out for mercy that's when God God is hearing you the most let's go on to step three here in verses three and four it says if you Lord kept record of sins Lord who could stand in other words especially me I couldn't stand you couldn't stand because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But with you, there is forgiveness. And step three is this, is repent and live in forgiveness. 
And I'm telling you, once you live this way, you've already, you've already gotten higher than the lip of your, the, the, the surface of your pit. You're already standing up above your pit. You're looking down at it. When you live repentant and you say, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. I'm, my regrets and my faults are covered by the blood of Jesus. I am forgiven. I tell you what, live forgiven. Live. Don't live with regrets. Don't live remembering your faults. It, all you have to do is repent, and Jesus covers over, your, over your, your sins, your faults, your failures. And if Jesus has forgiven you, can't you forgive yourself? Would you forgive yourself? Would you say, you know what? If Jesus has covered that with so much that he's forgotten it, surely I can forget my failures as well. What are some of these failures? Well, we sit there blaming ourselves all the time. I love in Psalms 32 verses 1 and 2, I've, I've said this multiple times over the last several months. I'll read it again because it's blessed me so much. But it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. It says blessed. Not only, not only is it gone, but now on top of it, God is blessing you because your sins are forgiven? That's amazing. Now, it doesn't say here that blessed is the person who's never sinned. No, blessed is the person who's sinned and whose sins are forgiven. You're blessed if you're forgiven. You're blessed if you're forgiven. That's just an incredible thing. Now, think of all your personal weaknesses. Think of your flaws, your faults, your tendencies, your blind spots, your personality traits that you wish you could get rid of. I, I always lose my things. I lose my keys. I lose my wallet. I lose everything. You put it in my hand. The other night, I had lost my, my sunglasses. My wife says, look, here's your sunglasses. I put them on my head. I, said, I made a joke. I took them off my head, and I lost them in 30 seconds. I hate myself about that. I despise that about myself. Well, there's many other traits that I have that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy weaknesses, flaws, failures, and you've got them as well. Now, let me tell you what, aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus covers all of those? And God has forgiven you of all of that. He's even forgiven you for the things you're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> if we live repentant, don't get me wrong, God doesn't just cover over your sins. He paid the price. All he's asking you to do is to repent and say, you know, what is repentance? It's just admitting I got a foul mouth or I got a problem with pornography or I got a problem with getting mad all the time. Admit it. And that's the process of forgiveness right there is just saying I have a problem. So live forgiven, live forgiven. Listen to this. I am forgiven. Therefore, I am blessed. Now, I challenge you to get up tomorrow morning or even this afternoon, get home, look in the mirror and say that. You know what, Steve, you're forgiven, therefore you are a blessed man. Good things are going to start happening for you. Can you imagine God's mercy, his grace that allows for that through, through the sacrifice of Jesus? Just more than I can imagine. But let's go on to step four. All right, we're already starting to climb up the mountain. We're out of the pit. All right, I'm starting to see some light. 
I'm starting to head it. I'm going up higher now. Guess what? There's even even higher heights. Let's go to step four here. It says here in, in, um, in Psalms 130, it says, so then we can with reverence serve you. With reverence serve you. Step four is this. Fear God more than you fear your problems. Fear God more than you fear your problems. And I have been putting this puppy into practice lately because I have some problems I'm fearful of. <laughs> and every time those problems start coming at me, I'm like, you know what? I fear God more than I fear this problem. I reverence God above this problem. There's a song my parents lead us in. Bigger than all my problems. God, you are bigger than all my doubts. You are bigger than all those shadows that cast their shadow across the way. Bigger than anything. You start saying, you know, I fear God more than I fear my problems. You're headed up that mountain, man. You're going to be in better shape than you could have ever dreamed you could be in. Look at this. I fear God and put him first and higher and before my desires. I put him ahead of my fears. I put him ahead of my plans. And I put him ahead of my security and comfort. And that's the one that I'm learning right now is I'm putting him above my security. I am not looking to have security here on earth. I'm looking to have security in heaven. I'm storing up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Because you know what? I'm realizing stuff can be taken away from you very quickly here on earth. Very quickly, both tangible and intangible. Here's, here's another thought, though, about fearing God more than your problems. And I heard this on a podcast that really blessed me. Kyle turned, turned me on to this. It's, it was actually by Rick Warren. But three things that will make you change and have the fear of the Lord, make, have you fear the Lord the way that you should. All right, three things. This is what it takes. <laughs> First of all is suffering. When you have some pain in your life, either physical or emotional pain, it changes you. It just changes you. And God knows it. And so you say, why is there so much suffering in the world? The suffering's in the world to help us change and get our eyes on Jesus. Otherwise, if we had it all free, easy sailing the rest of our lives, we'd, we wouldn't give God the time of day. We just wouldn't. But he allows suffering in our lives to change us, to transform us. Here's the second one is perspective. Sometimes, and a lot of times, God will pluck us up from where we're at and put us up at a higher place and say, look, do you see the big picture now? You're right here, but look at where you're headed. And look behind you at all the times when I've been faithful to you. And it's okay, I'll never forget. I was driving up, what street was it? It was Hercules. I was driving up Hercules and almost... At the top, it tees into magnetic, I believe. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw Hercules all the way back down to, I think it's railroad. And it was a kind of a cloudy, sunny day. It was, there was clouds in the sky, and I could see patches of sunlight in my rearview mirror and patches of, of cloudiness and so on and so forth, all the, way, all the way back down to railroad. And I got to thinking, man, God, you've seen me through so many difficult times. I remember, and it helped me as I was just driving along, I was remembering the good things that God had done and the troubled times that I had gone through. God has always been faithful. Sometimes it's good to get this perspective and think about the past and think about all the things God has faithfully brought you through. And you know what? If God did that for you in the past, 
you can look towards the future and say, God is always going to help me. He gives you perspective. But the third thing that will make you change is when your circumstances change and you can't control them. You know, something bad happens or something good happens. It's uncontrollable. And you realize, God, you're in control. It's not me anyways. Those three things will really, really force you to begin to fear the Lord in a way that you've never feared him before. And again, that fear is not so much a, a trepidation, but a reverence for God. You know, where you say, God, I worship you. You, you are God. I am not. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And so make sure we get this straight. But here's step five. We're still ascending now. We're halfway up Mount Everest. All right. Here's number five. It says again in this verse that we were just looking at in Rome in um, Psalms 130. It says so that we can with reverence serve you, serve you. And here's here's step number five is serving God. And these two words have huge implications. Serve God. We as Americans, we say we don't serve anybody. Well, I don't serve anybody. I mean, I'm in a, this is a free country, right? I'm not going to serve anybody. Shut up. Everybody serves somebody or something, unfortunately. I tell you, I'd rather serve somebody than something. There's a lot of people in these free United States that are serving something. And it's scary because when you serve, which we all serve somebody, even if you're young, you say, I don't serve anybody. Of course you do. The, the worst taskmaster you can serve is yourself. There's no freedom when you serve yourself. You say, I'm my, I'm my, my own boss. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing. You're already, you're in bondage already. The only way to be free here on earth is to serve God. He is not an evil taskmaster. He's not going to take advantage of you. He cares for you. And in serving God, you will reach the greatest level of freedom you could ever imagine on this earth. Serving the Lord. But what does it mean? These, the implications of this is he is master and he is Lord. A lot of people will go to God as their savior when they need help. But when it comes time to follow Jesus and do what Jesus has told you to do, they say, no, no, I just want Jesus as my savior, not my Lord. Have you ever heard people say he is my Lord and my savior? That means I am letting him control my life, control my plans, dictate what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I am going to serve the Lord. All right? You're headed up to, towards heights that you could have never dreamed of before. Many of us think we're serving the Lord, but in reality we're not because we're out doing our own thing. Somebody who serves the Lord is going to get up every morning and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Jesus, what do you want me to do today? I was in a totally a secular um, conference, and I, this guy said one of the coolest. He said a lot of bad things that I disagreed with, but then he said something I'll never forget. He said, here's how you organize your, your day. At 6 a.m., you take care of the things that you're planning out five years from now. And at 8, at 8 a.m., you start on the things that are three years out. At 10 p.m., you start on the things that are about a year out. And then the rest of the day is the stuff that you need to accomplish in the next few months. You talk about some insight about prioritization. And I've been trying to actually do that. What's five years out? Only God knows. So I'm spending my time praying and reading my Bible. 
<laughs> That's what I'm going to do with but really begin to prioritize your day. I thought that was fantastic. And I think God wants us to have that level of looking out and spending our time when we're freshest on the things that are most important. But anyways, we need to stop serving our selfish selves. All right. You, your cares, your desires, your comforts, your security and your plans and start serving God. And I've done this before. And for those of you online are not going to see this, but I'm holding up some notes here. Don't come to God with your day written out and saying, God, is this okay? Instead, come to God and say, here's a blank sheet of paper. You tell me what you want me to do. One, two, three, four, and five. And that's what I'm going to do. I tell you what, this is something, there's something to this is letting God write your agenda, write out your plan, serving God it gives you proactive purpose and we're going to be getting into this in December and even into January February and March is what is God's purpose for your life what is God is God's purpose for this church what does he want us to do and getting a real clear vision of that uh, we started talking a little bit about that on Wednesday night actually but whether you realize it or not, you're a servant, even a slave to something or someone. You may as well let Jesus be your, be your master because he is going to treat you well. <laughs> and surrender to him and say, God, I'm going to let go and I'm going to let you take control of my life. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of Christians say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, you need to go back to the first sentence that says, submit yourself to the Lord, and then you can resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. All right. Um, well, let's skip a couple of thoughts here because we don't have a whole lot of time. I, I guess I've got it on the screen here, so I may as well mention it. As, as we exit our pit and we begin to reach these new heights we're going to serve God we're going to stop serving ourselves and we're going to be free and look at this in Colossians 1 16 it says for in him why are we going to be free here's the reason for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him now if you went and built something all right created something for yourself that thing whether it's a model airplane or a guitar or you build a shed out behind your house that thing is for you you created it you built it you thought it out you planned it you envisioned it you're the same way with God God created you you're created for him <laughs> so don't go out and start planning your life he's got a purpose for your life you don't you don't make your purpose you discover your purpose your purpose is already there and so you need to discover what God already intended for you to do in the message translation it says everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him if you feel empty it's because you're trying to create your own purpose let God give you your purpose you'll be more fulfilled than you could ever dream and you can have this purpose and experience incredible freedom let's move on to the final thoughts here in verses 5 and 6 of, of uh, uh, Psalms 130 it says I wait for the Lord with my whole being I wait for him in his word I put my hope I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning more than the watchman wait for the morning 
in in olden times they didn't have lights you know and it got dark at night <laughs> just like it gets dark at night with us as well but there's no street lights and the what they'd have these watchmen on the walls that were making sure some evil army didn't attack them and the watchman would be squinting you know and, and have to have good good eyesight at night and at some point the watchmen get tired and say please let the sun rise so that we can see what's out there <laughs> and i don't have an arrow come you know pierce my heart without without seeing it and so the watchman waited for the the dawn as we get closer every as we get closer to god we put our hope in god we start longing for the light to show up longing for the light to show up and that's why we scale this mountain is to get closer and closer to god so that we can see his light but here's step number six is let god lead your decisions and actions and reactions let god here the psalmist is saying wait on god let god guide your actions and reactions Put a pause in before you react. Take a deep breath. If somebody's chewing you out on the phone, take a deep breath and wait for God to tell you what you need to do, what you need to say, what the reaction needs to be. All right. Put a pause. And that's why in Galatians 5.25, it says, since we live by the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. And nowadays we have the cloud. We type something on our computer it syncs up with our phone we put something on our phone it syncs up with our computer you and i we need to be in sync with the holy spirit in sync with the holy spirit the holy spirit's talking to you listen to him obey him do what he says to do and here's the final here's the final step in in verse uh seven of psalms 130 israel put your hope in the lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. The mountain peak that you can get to is hopefulness. It's getting up in the morning and believing, you know what? I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. I can do anything. There is nothing impossible with, for me with God on my side. I am hopeful. And, and so I tell you what, you got to climb out of that pit of hopelessness and despair and get to that place of hope. And here's how you do it. I want to mention this. If you're hopeless, you've put your hope in the wrong thing and it failed you. If you're hopeless, you're struggling with, with having hope in your heart. It's because you've put your hope in either your business, you've put your hope in your spouse, you put your hope in your friends, you put your hope in the government. Please don't do that. You've put your hope in your employer. If you put your hope in those places, that's why you're hopeless. Take that little bit of hope that you have and say, I'm going to pull it away from, from my social security. I'm going to pull it away from my smarts or my abilities, my talents, and I'm going to put it in God. And you are going to be hopeful. You're going to be hopeful. So think about it this week. Where have you put your hope? And take the little bit of hope that you have and put it in the Lord and you will be incredibly hopeful. All right. I think I've said everything that I was going to say. Verse 8 here at the very last verse of Psalms 30. It says, he himself will redeem Israel from their sins. And here's what happens. When you get onto this mountain peak, you're going to stop thinking about yourself so much. And you're going to start looking around to the needs of other people. And it's the best feeling in the world to say, you know what? I don't care about myself anymore. I care about those around me. 
The thing that keeps you in the pit is selfishness. The, keep, the, thing, the thing that gets you up onto the peak and keeps you there is selflessness. Think about others just a little bit. Think about their needs just a little bit and stop thinking about yourself so much. So these steps are call out to the name of the Lord when you're in the pit. Believe that your voice matters to God. Repent and live forgiven. Fear the Lord more than your problems. Serve God and you'll be free. Let the Lord lead your decisions, actions, and reactions, and then put your hope in the Lord. Take your hope away from every other place and put your hope in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for this time together. Lord Jesus, we were never intended to live in the pit of despair, never intended to live with doubt and negativity. Lord, we were intended to soar with the heights, Lord, in the heights. Lord Jesus, your, your word speaks of the eagle soaring with, with wings as eagles. Lord God, high above all our problems, high above all our difficulties, Lord. Trusting, believing, being God confident, Lord Jesus. And so today I pray for each and every one of us this, that this week, Lord, as we have a middle of the night mudslide and we slide from the peak to the pit once again, Lord, that we remember that this daily exercise is a means to get us back up on firm ground, back up where we're breathing the fresh air of heaven, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So help us, encourage us, and I thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray, Lord God. Amen. <music>